Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, my friends. Thanks for joining us today for another excursion into the Word of God. We're about halfway through a really exciting story in Mark chapter 9. But before we jump into that story, I want to show you this uh, postcard from North Carolina, the Tar Heel State. And I sure do love North Carolina. This card comes from Deanna Brown. Deanna, I've never met you, but your cousin, Fayreen, introduced you to the podcast, and Fayreen is one of my favorite people here at Faith Baptist Church. She's going through it right now. We're praying for you, Fayreen. I want you to know that. But uh, Deanna got, got to listening because of uh, cousin Fayreen, and she lives in South Carolina, but she works in uh, North Carolina, so she sent us a North Carolina postcard. Deanna, thank you for that and your kind words. You are a blessing. Mark chapter 9 we are on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration in Israel. It might be Mount Hermon. We don't know. But we're there with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Jesus has been transfigured in front of Peter and James and John. And Peter and James and John are just as afraid as can be. They don't know what's going on. Uh, Peter just says the first thing that comes to his mind, let's build three tabernacles uh, for Jesus and Moses and Elijah, almost kind of putting them on an equal plane. Like, uh, but but he's going to find out real quickly that there's really only one message here that is uh, to be validated. And it's not to say that Moses wasn't important and Elijah wasn't important. The fact is Jesus is the fulfillment of their prophecies. And Jesus is doing for us what the law could never do for us. The law could only point out our deficiency, but only Christ could be our sufficiency. Look at verse number seven of Mark chapter nine. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. Now listen to this. This is my beloved son here him. Hear him. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Now you talk about going from awesome to awesome. So they're seeing the transfigured body of the Lord. They're seeing Moses and Elijah, but now they are hearing the actual voice of God. Boy, what must that have been like? And when God says this is my son. Remember, in the, in the thinking of the day, that meant he is my separate but equal. Two distinct persons, but we are equal in nature and relationship and power. To claim to be the son of meant to be equal with, and the Jews understood that. You look at John chapter 5. And so this is my beloved son. Uh, hear him. So you're not listening to him. 
You're, you're thinking that his messages may be new or radical or different than the message of the Old Testament, but it's not. It's in complete concert with. It's an agreement and fulfillment of what I have said in the Old Testament. And what he is saying is has been, the groundwork has been laid by Moses and Elijah, but he is the fulfillment. This must have been an especial rebuke for Peter who was not hearing him, who did not hear Jesus' clarifying words about discipleship and cross-bearing and suffering and rejection, and Jesus had to rebuke him. And now the voice from heaven clarifying and uh, authenticating the ministry of the Son. Now, this ought to remind you about something as well. Remember back in Mark chapter 1, the baptism of Jesus and how at the baptism, the voice came from heaven, the Father's voice, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So this is now the second time in the ministry of Jesus that a voice is coming from heaven, the voice of Almighty God the Father saying, I authenticate my Son. Now you're going to hear the voice of God a third time in John chapter 12, where Jesus prays, Father, glorify thy name, and the voice comes from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. So interestingly, the voice of the Father shows up three times in the ministry of Jesus. At the beginning, the inauguration, in the middle, that's here, the clarifying time, and then at the end, uh, right before his crucifixion. You'll hear that in John chapter 12. So very, very interesting. By the way, Peter refers to this experience when he writes to his readers in 2 Peter. And he said in 2 Peter, we were with him on the holy mount. We heard the voice of God on the holy mount. Peter talks about this in 2 Peter, but then he adds this, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, where unto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What is Peter saying? Peter is saying, we heard God's voice audibly. But more important than that, we have the written word of God passed down to us. So we have no less of an important word from God than Peter did because we have this special revelation of God's word in our very hands. That's why I started this podcast a few years back, Everyday Truth. Why? Because just like Peter had that mountaintop when he heard the clarifying and authenticating voice of God, so you and I have a mountaintop. It's called our daily time with God. When we can hear from the word of God, the very special revelation of God to us. So, a great, a great teaching there by the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1. So the Bible says in verse number 8, after they have heard that voice from heaven, verse number 8, and suddenly when they had looked round about, so remember the cloud is overshadowed, uh, the voice comes, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. So all of a sudden, as quickly as it had all happened, it all went away. The cloud went away. Moses went away. Elijah went away. The voice went away. And now there they were, Jesus and those three 
just as they had climbed up that mountain, there they were again. And yet what they had learned, what that experience provided would never, ever leave these men. Look at verse number nine. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the son of man were risen from the dead. Guys, I've given you kind of a sneak peek here. I've given you a trailer view of my future ministry. Now, we're not going to talk about this until after the resurrection has been accomplished. This was just a validation for you. You're my special inner three. I'm going to give you great opportunity. I'm going to expect great things from you. Remember, it was these three that he brought into the, uh, the, the, the inner circle at the Garden of Gethsemane. It was these three from whom he expected some very special things in the early church. Uh, Peter preached at Pentecost. Peter and John were kind of the leaders and pillars of that church. James was the first martyr of the disciple group, killed by Herod Agrippa I in Acts chapter 12. And so there, the, there, there was great opportunity here, but there was also great responsibility on the part of these three. Look at verse number 10. And they kept that saying with themselves. So they didn't go down and just spill the beans about what happened. They waited. They kept that saying within themselves, questioning one with another that what the rising from the dead should mean. So Jesus is saying plainly that he's going to rise from the dead, but how will that work? How will that happen? What, what will that be? So they, they see Jesus raise others from the dead, like in his ministry, they, they, they see Jairus's daughter raised from the dead. They, they will see the widow's son from Nain raised from the dead. They'll, they'll see Lazarus raised from the dead. But, but how will Jesus die and rise again? They're just asking questions, not fully understanding it. It's easy for us. We have the account of Matthew 28. We can go back to the other resurrection accounts. We kind of know the details about the tomb and the stone and the angel and the women and all of it but they know none of it. Look at verse number 11. They asked him, saying, why say the scribes that Elias or Elijah must first come? So Elijah's on their mind. They, they just saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they're reminded now of what the teachers of the day have told them about the coming of Messiah, that before Messiah shows up that Elijah will come first. And by the way, that teaching was right. That That's based upon Malachi chapter 3, Malachi chapter 4, the fact that Elijah will precede the coming of Messiah. When the Gabriel came to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, he said that your son, although his name will be John, will come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So is Elijah coming? Is he not coming? Are you Messiah? I mean, they've got some questions. Look at verse number 12. And he answered and told them, Elijah verily cometh first. Yes, that's true. And restoreth all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught, be rejected. But I say unto you that Elijah is indeed come. So which is it? Elijah is coming or Elijah has come? And the answer is yes. Okay, and here's what he says. 
that Elijah is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed, as it is written of him. And when he came to his disciples, well, we'll stop there for a moment. So what was he talking about? Well, in the other passage, Matthew 17, he makes this clear. He was speaking about John the Baptist. Why? Because in essence, although Jesus was rejected, he was still offering himself to his own people, the Jews. Now, obviously in God's plan, he knew that he would be rejected. He knew that part of that rejection would mean that the salvation can turn to the Gentiles. This was all part of God's sovereign plan in saving the world and dying for the sins of all. But the point was that he offered himself to his people as their king. And they, they had the potential to accept him and receive him. So in that sense, Elijah will come before the second coming of the Lord, when he does set up his kingdom. And Elijah did come in the person of John the Baptist ahead of his first coming when he came as the suffering servant. So Jesus is explaining all of this as they're making their way down the mountain. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. We're going to come to another amazing story here next episode, but we're going to quit right there in verse number 13. Pick it up. In verse number 14, hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.